0: Welcome to the Life After Life podcast, where we explore our soul's physical and non-physical journey. I'm Majana. Let's discuss angels, guides, and loved ones from the other side. Hello my friends and welcome back. You know I'm excited to be here because I love coming in and sharing things that I've learned with you. In this episode, we're going to get down to the nitty gritty of what it is to be a human in these times. It's all about a call to action. What can we do right now to improve our quality of life? And yes, that sounds deep and like a big order. So what am I talking about? Well, if you're listening to this podcast and most likely even exploring others around spirituality, metaphysics, anything else contributing to your spiritual unfoldment, then I'm confident that you are experiencing. Or you've heard that we're in a time of ascension. What does that mean? It means our vibration is increasing. It means that our bodies are changing right now, even our DNA. How do we know that? Well, there is evidence. Increasing numbers of people are experiencing some form of a spiritual awakening, and that looks different for everybody. Some of them are rather gentle, little tugs or tap on the shoulder saying, hello, and others are mm, more bold, <laughs> like, what is happening to me? People are listening to their intuition more and realizing, hey, this is actually beneficial, and spiritual gifts are opening up. We say that the veil is thinning. Well, actually, my take on this is that our vibrations are increasing, which is putting us closer to vibrations on the other side. Therefore, it's easier for us to communicate. And parents have always thought that their children are especially bright and gifted. However, more and more people are realizing the babies being born now and even the elementary school age kids and some a little bit older than that truly do have gifts and even abilities that exceed what we're used to. Well, here's the question. If we are in the throes of ascension and our vibration is increasing, then why in the world is there so much unrest and concern and fear about what's going on locally and globally? Mass shootings, the invasion of Ukraine conflict among the royal family, overall civil unrest, the coronavirus, monkeypox. The list is probably never-ending, but is that really anything new? We have always had crises and situations happening globally and locally. The difference is that now we are being constantly bombarded through media which is propagating, but not objectively, in a way that's empowering by giving us the information and letting us come to our own conclusions and beliefs, but rather with political slants. If you're unsure, flip between sources and see how the same event is covered from opposing views. And both are emphatically stating that their information is truth. And you know, typically, so what? Let them promote whatever they want to promote because we are intelligent beings and we can sort through this. But for some reason, I'm seeing so many people that are willing to cut ties with friends or family members because of a disagreement in perspectives. I've just never seen so many people willing to walk away from loved ones, friends or family because of a disagreement in understanding or perspective of what's going on. What seems to be lacking is empathy and love and compassion and the willingness to agree to disagree. So, this only adds to our angst and all of the unrest that's going on. If you stay in fear long enough, you get worn down, right? You're overwhelmed, emotionally exhausted, and then we lose perspective and become followers rather than thinkers. Because we feel like we can't trust ourselves, so we start listening to who's out there, all the chatter, and the loudest voice wins. And there's a physiological explanation for this. Very simply put, we're staying in flight mode, you know, fight and flight. Well, flight is when all of the stress hormones are rushing through our bodies and Our basic survival is what's kicked in. Well, this is an awesome place to be if you're being, I don't know, chased by a lion or you are truly in physical danger. That's what it was intended for. But we're not supposed to be living here. It actually wreaks havoc with our bodies. So here's the question. What can we do about it? How do we protect ourselves emotionally, physically, and psychologically? Ha, that sounds like a million dollar question, right? great news. There are things that we can do. There are things that we can do right now that don't take a lot of training or any training whatsoever. You are very well equipped to handle this. Ready? Are you ready to take your power back? Are you ready to feel peace and a sense of normalcy and calm and even be able to contribute to the greater good energetically and help others reach this sense of calm and peace and truly make a difference on a global scale. All right. I can absolutely just feel some of the vibes here going, well, Majana's lost it. She's getting all woo-woo right now. And I promise I'm not. <laughs> okay. I promise. So there are three calls to action. Three. The first one is seemingly pretty simple. And you've possibly heard this already but it becomes habit to be listening to the media all the time. Staying abreast is a good thing. Sticking your head in the sand, not so much. But being bombarded and in the throes so that you're staying in flight mode is not the good solution. So give yourself a break and reach a compromise. Turn on the news once a day or read or whatever your source is once a day and it will encapsulate everything because if you're listening all day you're hearing the same thing over and over again anyway right so one time a day and then turn it off and allow yourself to process allow yourself to think it through and feel feel about it what resonates with you and what doesn't find a neutral source of information and put that into the mix you know any time there's a conflict between two people, it's always more like there's three sides of the story, not two. There's both of their sides and the truth lies somewhere in the middle because it's hard to be objective. We see things from our perspective. So we want to look in the middle and, and find the similarities, the congruencies, and again, what resonates with you. And then just notice without embodying it. The goal here is to stay informed, come to your own conclusions, and relieve anxiety and stress. Be positive, pray, meditate, send love. And you're probably going, okay, wait a minute, Majana, you just went from talking about a real crisis to all woo-woo. No, I promise that is not all woo-woo. Okay, so here's call to action number two, inspired by a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Be the change you want to see. Be the change you want to see. Okay, I think technically he didn't say that. It's kind of paraphrased, but it's still great. It's short. We can remember that. Am I being what I want to see in this world right now? For example, it's not exactly in integrity to talk about someone who gossips all the time if you're actually gossiping as well or saying that you are all about equality and love and then judging your neighbor because they believe differently than you do. There are so many crises right now, both real and perceived, that it's hard to not get all sucked in. All right. The conflict is in balancing the reality of being a global citizen with your spiritual beliefs, especially if you're among those seekers that Well, your old beliefs don't really resonate with you anymore. So you're not so firm in those, but you're not really solid in new beliefs either. So you don't even know what your beliefs are right now. And that is very unsettling. You want to take action, but you don't even know which way to turn. So let's go back to that whole suggestion of positive, praying, meditating, and sending love, you know, all that woo woo stuff. Well, at some level, I think most of us hope or maybe even believe that at least one of those things will help. That, believe it or not, is the real topic of this episode. Why and how do those things work? It only took me almost 10 minutes to get to this point. (laughs) The good news is we are now going to see where science and spirituality meet. All right, spirituality is faith. It comes from the heart. It's intuitive knowing. It's trust. It's faith. But it's often hard to prove. It's made up of soft skills, of praying and meditating, etc. So it's really considered more of a feminine energy, whereas science is provable and concrete. It's logical. That's more of a masculine energy. And since we've been governed by masculine energy for so long, that is what we know and that's what we value and we trust. It's our comfort zone. And yet, when is growth ever comfortable? We are all being called to move into balance of our feminine and masculine energies. So we want to trust, but it sure is nice to have concrete evidence. (laughs) Let's look at prayer. We know prayer works. You maybe have experienced firsthand or certainly have heard stories of some miracle happening because a group of people prayed for somebody. I mean, there are so many stories that prove the power of prayer. Well, how does that work? It seems that more people praying for somebody is more powerful than one person praying. So is it that somebody in that group has especially powerful prayers and it's hit and miss? Somebody's just better at it than other people? maybe it's an average of everybody's prayer energy altogether. All right, let's put a simple visual to test here. Imagine a group of people all surrounding one person in the middle, and everybody is praying for that one person. So if each person is tapping into source energy, God energy, all that is love, whatever your word for it is, and they're serving as channels projecting that energy to the one person receiving prayer. Well, that's a whole lot of energy focusing on one person, right? More so than that person asking or praying or affirming for themselves. But that doesn't exactly explain how it works. Well, this, my friends, is where spirituality and science meet. In the fields the quantum fields. (laughs) So what are the fields? You can't see the fields, but they are proven, can be proven mathematically, and we can observe their effects. I love it, and I find it fascinating. However, rather than getting into a physics lesson right now, let's just stick to things that we are comfortable with and we know. For example, gravity and magnetic energy field around magnets, right? We know there's a North and a South Pole, and we know that Electricity is a field, and we know that when you combine electricity and magnets, you get an electromagnetic field, otherwise known as EMFs. Radios, TV, radar, GPS, all light sources, including the sun, work by creating waves, right? The the light waves are wiggling through this electromagnetic field and stimulates it. And that's why we can see or feel those waves. This is what causes the aurora borealis or the northern lights. And if you're in the southern hemisphere, it's the southern lights or aurora australis. And these lights are beautiful and they are evidence of the electromagnetic field. We can see them. What we can't see directly is how this field affects humans, but we know it does. Here's some examples. Something that has been rather prominent the last few months are solar flares. Those are eruptions of intense bursts of radiation that come from the sun's surface. On NASA's website, they talk about how these eruptions cause disruptions of electric power grids. It can interfere with GPS and even cause corrosion on oil and gas pipelines and a whole host of anomalies. You know, when I'm doing these podcasts, I always try to be really clear about what information I have been given from other disincarnate beings, what information I've kind of put together on my own called maganaisms. And in this case, I did some research because I wanted to give you some hard evidence that maybe you could wrap your head around to help you realize what I'm talking about here is not woo-woo. It is proven stuff, okay? So I went down some rabbit holes with this, and it was very, very interesting, actually. And I will give you a list of some of the resources at the very end of this podcast, should you be interested. One of them being the National Library of Medicine discusses how prolonged exposure to the electromagnetic field actually triggers stress in various body tissues. It also causes significant changes in antioxidant levels in your blood which causes fatigue, headaches, decreased ability to learn, cognitive impairment, and a whole bunch of other symptoms. So a big takeaway there is take antioxidants for protection. (laughs) Just a little sidebar there. All right, we're going to switch gears a little and talk about consciousness. What is consciousness? Okay, I'm really not trying to bore y'all. I hope you do not find this boring. Some people want evidence And this is important stuff. I'm really trying to give you evidence that these strategies, these call to actions actually work and why they work. Is consciousness just an awareness that is confined in our skulls? Is it part of the brain? So if you're unconscious, you're asleep, but your brain is still in your skull. This has been quite a controversial topic for quite a while. Science says... The latest unified quantum field theories corroborate that consciousness is an unbound, all-pervasive field available everywhere, all the time. What? (laughs) All right, here's what they're saying. Think radio. We know how radios work. They send waves into the electromagnetic field. It disturbs the field. And then some receiver picks that up and turns it into sound. Well, they're saying that the human brain is like the radio station. It's sending out waves in the conscious field, the field of consciousness, like it's a radio broadcasting station. And then another conscious being or another consciousness intercepts that and interprets it. It hears it like sound. Make sense? Knowledge is power. And y'all, We have knowledge and power that we didn't even know we had. How can we use this field of consciousness to our benefit when we're talking about keeping our sanity and being calm and trusting in the power of the presence and that we're actually ascending when all of this other stuff is happening around us? What does all this have to do with each other anyway? I'm getting there, (laughs) promise. We're going to talk about... Meditation now. So, we have all heard many, many times the benefits of meditation on the individuals, on our physiology, on our blood pressure, on our mental state, and our general health and well being. So, I'm not going to go into that. I'm sure you've heard it many, many times. But here is what I found fascinating I wanted to give some solid evidence of. How meditation can improve not only our personal well-being, but the greater good. Two specific projects kept popping up, and they both dealt with transcendental meditation. I'm not saying that other forms of meditation can't be equally as powerful. It's just that that happened to be the meditation of choice in these examples, okay? Now, the time frame happened to be the early 80s in the Middle East when there's conflict. Bushkinta is a village in central Lebanon, and unfortunately for the villagers, they were in a very strategic location between opposing forces and were bombarded, attacked, and shelled for years on a regular basis. In May of 1981, the peace project began. So two teachers of transcendental meditation went to Bushkinta with the intention of teaching at least 1% of the population how to effectively practice transcendental meditation. Now, in such meditation, 1% has proven scientifically to be a tipping point. In any given population, if 1% is meditating, they can change the course of the energy for a whole area on which they are meditating. So here's what happened. It took them until June of 1982 to reach that 1% of the population. But then what the statistics show, and they took statistics on all of the things, all of the war things, the bombings, the attacks, the deaths, the injuries. Once 1% of the population began effectively meditating, there was a drastic change in incoming shells, property damage, and casualties. For five and a half years... They documented the statistics of those categories and compared them between neighboring villages and Basquinta. And by the way, these other villages were chosen by their size and their agricultural economic base so that they were comparable to Basquinta. During the meditation process, not only did Basquinta have a drastic reduction in the number of incoming shells, property damage and casualties, interestingly. They also experienced improvements in their crop yieldings, so they were growing more food. They increased their social and sporting activities, and their municipal development accelerated. They were actually growing businesses. All right, during this time of war, in their whole country, they were thriving. And they did this without any political activity or diplomatic interaction that was carried out by the villagers or by anyone else on their behalf. The fighting just spontaneously stopped. That sounds pretty hard to believe, right? That was kind of the general consensus of everyone at that time. In fact, it was kind of like, hey, y'all, look at this. (laughs) Look what we just found out. And other entities were invited to come in and do their own research to see if they possibly came up with the same results, because how is this possible? So many other studies did take place at the same time in the same location. One of them that's very, very well published is actually called by a few different names. It's the Maharishi Technology of the Unified Field, the Transcendental Meditation and TM Siddhi program, and the International Peace Project of the Middle East, also known as the Lebanon Peace Project. These studies occurred during August and September of 1983 in Jerusalem, looking at the collective consciousness and behaviors of Israel and Lebanon. Now, there was a range of meditators, anywhere from 65 to 241 at any given time. And here's some more specific statistics about what the results were. Now, the number of people meditating absolutely affected the results. And remember that 1% seems to be the magic number, the tipping point. When at least 1% was meditating, the number of war-related fatalities decreased on any given day by 71%. And the number of war-related injuries fell by 68%. The level of conflict dropped by 48%. And cooperation among antagonists increased by 66%. Those are just amazing statistics. And yet they showed up over and over again. And it was all based on how many people were present in a general location, meditating to promote peace to this Lebanon, Israel area. So the mathematicians jumped in here and they said the likelihood of these combined results just being due to chance was actually one part in 1019. All right, so it made the effect of reducing the stress and the conflict the most rigorously established phenomenon in the history of social sciences. Holy cow! These results were so phenomenal that the initial Lebanon Peace Project results were replicated in seven consecutive experiments during a two-year period, which just happened to be the peak of the Lebanon War. What if it's not such a drastic time? Well, there's research on that one, too. There is actually a Washington, D.C. crime study that showed a 23.3% drop in violent crimes that were due to a meditating group. So, before the project, the violent crime had been steadily increasing during the first five months of the year. Then, a week or so after the study started, so after people started meditating, the number of violent crimes, which are considered homicides, rapes, and aggravated assaults, as measured by the FBI, began decreasing. And they continued to drop consistently until this experiment ended. So as long as people continued to meditate, the violence continued to decrease. Before that project started, researchers publicly predicted, right, what's going to happen. It's almost like taking bets. And the researchers said they thought the coherence group would reduce the trend of crime by, oh, 20%. I found it very entertaining that the chief of police was such a naysayer. And he's like, absolutely not. The only thing that could possibly cause the crime rate in this city to decrease that fast is 20 inches of snow. Oh, what a naysayer, he of little faith. (laughs) So how did they validate this? They took the stats from the year before during the exact same period of time, compared it with the stats during that period of time, and they're was actually a 23.3% decrease. Now remember, this year started out with a massive increase in um, violent crimes. So now during the meditation period, there was a 23 plus percent of a decrease. The number of people meditating absolutely made a difference. So when it had that biggest decrease was in the final week of the project because more people were meditating at that time which helps. And little side note, it also happened to be during a blistering heat wave when people are extra cranky and you would expect the crimes to increase from irritability. Mathematicians jumped back into this again and said that the statistical probability that this could have possibly happened by chance was less than two in one billion. I don't know. Do you think The group meditating has that much power, man, last piece of evidence here. When that study ended and the people stopped meditating in mass, the crime rate returned back to normal. We have talked about how prayer works, that meditation works. You might be tired of me talking about the power of meditation at this point. What about being positive? Remember back at the beginning, we talked about being positive, praying, meditating, sending love. How and why do these things work? What about being positive? Well, you know how contagious laughter is. You can be cranky, but you hear somebody belly laughing and it may be really annoying initially, but if they continue, you can't help it. It just shifts the energy, even if you don't want it to. And what is more contagious than a baby's belly laugh? Oh my goodness. How many times have you done something, I don't know, you stubbed your toe or you slammed your finger in a door or something, and there's this immediate, not only rush of pain, but anger. You're mad it happened. You might be angry with yourself, but it is definitely not a fun place to be, and it's inconvenient and tempers flare. In that moment of extreme anger and so forth, you might go storming out of the room or in someplace else, and something happens. Maybe you run into the door jam on the way you know, you get the idea. You get in a hurry, you are having negative energy and it just brings other things in rapid succession. Whereas if you just stop, take a breath, relax, it shifts the energy back to the positive. If you're cranky and you're trying to change your mood, what do you do? Sometimes listening to really good music will shift you because music is very emotional watching something on TV that makes you laugh, being around people you love and that are funny. Our moods can change very, very quickly, right? Being positive is contagious. So is being negative. If you're around somebody, and y'all, there are always people that love drama and trauma and conflict and all the other low energies and Misery loves company. So there will always be people who want to have those discussions with you and bring you into their negative space, but you have free will. And you know what? It's not being rude to set boundaries. It's self-preservation to say, I'm sorry you're feeling that way, but I don't want to hear that. I'm choosing to be in a positive mood today. I'm choosing my own decisions. It's possible that you can help them shift their energy, but oftentimes when people are in the throes of it, they don't want to shift. They're happy to stay there, and they're just looking for somebody to commensurate with them. And honestly, I know that I have offended people, especially in the last year, for that very thing, because I don't want to hear it. And I don't want to lose friends or cut ties or be cut out of somebody because I disagree with them. Although I did have a conversation, actually it was with a family member that is all about the negativity and the drama and the trauma and victimhood and blah, blah, blah. And after politely asking her to stop trying to bring me into that numerous times and she ignored my request, I finally set a hard boundary and I said, look, I love you, but I'm not willing to be in that energy So if you can be a positive part of my life, bring it on. That'll be great. But if you choose not to, please don't call me. I'm just not interested. I don't have the bandwidth for that. And of course, she was angry and probably hurt. And we didn't talk for several months. And then she called me again, and it was very positive. There could very well be a whole different podcast around this aspect, because there are so many layers to negativity and people that are being negative on this realm, in this earth planet. But also, y'all, the multiverse is a big place. And although love is the strongest and the most powerful force there is, there are beings out there that aren't of love. There are lower energies. And just like here, misery loves company. So there are definitely beings that would prefer to see earthlings not choose to ascend and to progress and to be happy because it doesn't meet their needs. I'm not willing to let them control my happiness for their purposes. I'm choosing happiness for my purpose. And I've had to find the things that help me be in happiness being positive and surrounding myself with positive people. That's a choice that I make by sending prayer to the people that need the help, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, whatever, in this moment, I can send you prayer, which is the same as sending love. It's amplified love, right? I know that when I meditate, it makes me feel better. I feel centered and more grounded and I'm strengthening my connection with the source of love And there's plenty of research that shows how meditation benefits the greater good. Do you think that maybe if people in transcendental meditation can stop a war that is focused in a specific area, that just maybe that could impact one person who is not mentally stable or is having a bad day and decides to shoot? and all of the host of other things that we started this podcast out with. Sending love, praying, being centered, and meditating. Your energetic field extends far beyond yourself, and dang, it feels good to help others. (laughs) There's one more thing I want to say about this, in which I was reminded today, actually. A mantra or an affirmation that I used to use all the time is, I am love. Just say that a couple times. I am love. The I am statements are so incredibly powerful. Love is so incredibly powerful. So when you are affirming that you are love, I am love. How does that feel on your heart space? Put your attention on your heart and the space around it and say that a few times. I am love. Do you feel your energy shift? Man, I sure do. And then send that feeling to someone specifically, or a group, or just project it out. And it's amazing how you can shift other people's energies. Just experiment, give it a try. Because as Athena is always saying, she makes me laugh because she puts her hand up to her forehead, the palm of her hand. And she's like, humans, you have forgotten how powerful you are. Yes, we have. But knowledge is power. And my hope and my prayer is that this episode, as long as it's become, I don't normally go this long. And if you're still with me, thank you. (laughs) That this episode reminded you of how powerful you are and that we can stand in our power and create consciously the lives that we want. I love every single one of you. I am love and you are love. If you're interested in connecting, I would love to meet with you one-on-one or in a group setting. I'm looking at possibly getting some various groups together. Please check the website majanadon.com and that will let you know what's going on and classes that are happening and upcoming events. And feel free to join our Facebook group. Just look us up. It's Life After Life Radio. And there are a couple questions that you need to answer, but then you're accepted into the group. And it is a phenomenal group of supportive and loving people. Thank you so much, as always, for sticking with me and listening to this. And I love to get feedback. It was certainly not my intention to offend or step on anybody's toes in this episode or any other episode. I offer my perspective and invite you to sit with that And take that which resonates and release that that doesn't resonate. Here are a couple of resources. By the way, September 21st is the International Day of Peace designated by the United Nations. The theme for this year is End Racism, Build Peace. You can go to the UN website and get more information about that. And I was going to share with you some of the rabbit holes that I went down. Yale University Journal of Conflict Resolution is one of the websites I came across. It's a peer-reviewed, interdisciplinary journal of social scientific research and theory on human conflict. It's published eight times a year for more than 50 years now, providing the latest studies and theories on the causes and solutions to the full range of human conflict. That is where one of the sources for the Lebanon Peace Project came from. There is also a great organization called World Peace Group, and their website is worldpeacegroup.org. Their ultimate goal is to set up a permanent global super radiance group. (laughs) Ha, yes! All right, this one's a mouthful. It is the ncbi.nim.org. NIH.gov. NCBI stands for the National Center for Biotechnology Information. NIM, no, I'm sorry, NLM is the National Library of Medicine, and the NIH is the National Institute of Health. This is the National Center for Biotechnology Information, which is part of the United States Library of Medicine, which is a branch of the National Institutes of Health. (laughs) It is approved and funded by the government of the United States. And there is some amazing information in there dealing with human energy and tests that they've done specifically with your chi and how that can affect other people. There is also the Unified Field Theory in Quantum Physics and the HeartMath Institute Those are the websites that I quoted statistics and information from in this podcast. And thank you so much for hanging with me. I know that this was a little more heady and probably a little drier than usual, but I really feel like it's important stuff and it's what we all can do for ourselves and for others. Thank you so much. I hope to see you soon. And until then, namaste.